I have gotten to the point where I'm looking at notes for the episode that I wrote and I have no idea what I am talking about. I feel so sorry for you guys. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Atomic Skull Podcast. I didn't think this shit show would last 10 minutes. I can't believe I made it to 10 episodes. That is all because of you guys. Thank you so, so much as always. In my ever evolving over self-awareness, I can't believe I said that out loud without blorfing it. I've realized that I learn things about life on a really strange timeline. Like, I got the birds and the bees talk entirely too early. And I ended up becoming that one kid in class who knew too much about that stuff way before they should. I remember criminally overusing the word twat. It doesn't matter that I was nine years old. I should have been cited. Especially when you're a kid. It's such a fun word to say. I don't even remember if I knew what it meant. I just called everything a twat and made innocent childhood shit sound overtly sexual, right? Like, I'm gonna go to the playground during recess and slide down the twat. Or like, my mom packed me twats and crackers for lunch again. I'm so tired of eating twats and crackers, who wants to trade? Or, for a comedy rule of three, I got good grades, so I get to go to Twats or Us this weekend and play with the toys in there. Quick side note, who out there wants to invest a 30% stake in opening up a strip club called Twats or Us. Do not pass up this million dollar idea. I want you guys to know, we have gotten two minutes into this show and I've already used the word twat seven times. That is about as classy as it fucking gets. Somebody hand me a Coors Light. On the other end of that spectrum, I refuse to tell you how old I was when I realized that a flea market didn't actually sell fleas. You guys might think I'm doing a bit, but sadly, I am absolutely not doing a bit. It's just fucking embarrassing. I told you about all that to tell you this. This is something that I've realized very recently about relationships. The size of the mistake that is made in a relationship can be measured in how long it takes one person to call another person a derogatory name. Let me give you a couple examples. First example, someone forgets to switch the clothes from the washer to the dryer. Ugh, you're an idiot. But second example, someone maybe takes an edible and decides to make themselves a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. Not only do they put the milk in the pantry and the cereal in the fridge, but they forget to close the refrigerator door and it stays open for several hours while they watch one of the jackass movies and most of the food spoils. Oh my god, you are such an idiot! You guys see the difference? Now, if you're wondering to yourself, boy, that second example seems oddly specific. I will tell you that someone may have done exactly that. And I won't mention names or say who it was, but it was me. In my defense, I also have absolutely no redeeming qualities whatsoever, so I don't know why anyone would be married to me. Meanwhile, for all you craft singles out there, I want to share another lesson that I learned a few years ago before I wiped myself up. The quality 
of sex that you have with someone new can be measured in the amount of time it takes after it's over for the person to reach for their phone. Think back for a second because that might start some shit in your brain. When you're in a relationship though, it's a little bit different. After the business, everyone's comfortable enough with each other where they can both reach for their phone to see who can buy the best deal on getting pizza delivered. Shit, dude. I've gotten so good at multitasking, I'll fuck around and find a deal for half off a large Supreme and Wings during. And I think the fact that I always get Mrs. What's-Her-Name a few extra sides of ranch kind of does it for her. And that, weird kids, is the beauty of marriage. Speaking of sides of ranch, I want to talk about Harvey Weinstein real quick. I'm officially so goddamn bad at segues. I think I'm just going to start swinging the complete other direction on it and see if I can do the single worst segues of all time. And that first intentional one was a doozy. It was almost as bad as my unintentionally bad segues, which are also fucking trash. I read on the internets that the prosecution in the Harvey Weinstein trial are going to put Mel Gibson on the stand. Why would they possibly want to do some bullshit like that? That's kind of like having Amber Heard testify against Alex Jones. What lawyer would put Mel Gibson on the stand? Like, yeah, thanks, Mel. I, it doesn't matter what. It, I don't care if you videotaped Harvey Weinstein fucking some 17-year-old actress. We are going to do it without you. One of my all-time favorite pop culture dumpster fire stories was one of the first times there were many. One of the first times Mel Gibson got pulled over for drunk driving. It was by a female police officer who he proceeded to refer to as sugar tits. Here we are having droves of people getting arrested, getting shot, or getting killed for just existing while being black. Meanwhile, Mel Gibson calls a female police officer sugar tits, and I think, if I remember correctly, she ended up driving him home. Sorry to any diehard Weinstein fans out there, but I hope he dies hard in prison. Listen, we are having some pun out here today. Uh, really quick, I do want to say a big hi there and hello to Alex Jones, who now officially owes one billion smackaroos to the Sandy Hook families. That piece of shit is now the official biggest walking example of fuck around and find out that I can even think of. And that is exactly what he did. He fucked around and he found the fuck out. I can't decide if he has enough misplaced pride to take his own life and get it over with, or if he has enough misplaced pride to keep going out of sheer spite. I'm just glad I don't have to see him with his fucking shirt off anymore. Of course, I gotta say an RIP and put wands in the air for the great Robbie Coltrane. He was the best as Rubius Hagrid, Keeper of Keys and Grounds at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, if I can get a little nerdy with you at the moment. But more than that, he had some pretty amazing subdued roles in his career. Ocean's Twelve, well, Ocean's Twelve was a confusing fucking mess, but Coltrane was hysterical going back and forth with Clooney and Brad Pitt. He had a small role in that film, but I laughed my ass off. He was great in GoldenEye and The World Is Not Enough, two of my favorite Bond flicks. But my favorite thing that Robbie Coltrane 
was in was a is a really good British TV show called Cracker, where he plays a uh, criminal psychologist. I think it's streaming nowhere actually so good luck finding it but for what little it's worth i promise you it is great so let's get back you guys to the abcs of halloween by the way thank you so much to everybody for the incredible feedback it seems like everybody really likes the idea of what i'm doing and that's wonderful to me it definitely gives me a lot of positive energy to keep going with it so i i really do appreciate that you guys last week's gold star question was your favorite versus least favorite halloween candy and this is really wonderful i got the most answers i have ever gotten on a gold star question so that is promising number one favorite by a landslide was reese's peanut butter cups of course number two was kit kat both are utterly delicious and i'm here for for both of those man i'll take one of each the bottom of the list was tootsie rolls and almond joys However, there was one crazy motherfucker out there whose favorite was Tootsie Rolls. And then there was another nut bar whose favorite was Smarties. Those little, you know, those little fucking pellet shits. However, nobody put Reese's at the bottom of the list because they're the fucking best. I want to take this opportunity to tell my mother that I know you snuck all of those Reese's out of my candy hall every year when I fell asleep after going trick-or-treating. You literally stole candy from a child, and you owe me some peanut butter cups, you fucking asshole. All right, we're going to pick back up with the letter G. Now that, you guys, is a fucking segue. Can you guys tell that I've had a couple of shots of tequila before I did this episode? Uh, G is for Ghostbusters, a Halloween classic. Huge shout-outs to the great Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, and his Crystal Skull vodka that he won't shut up about. No shame in his game, though. It's actually really good vodka. Uh, shout-outs to Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and the legendary Rick Moranis, all who are in that movie. But let's talk about Billy Murray for a second. He's probably done at this point, Right. I tend to find myself feeling a little bit bad for people that I grew up liking getting canceled until I think back on it and I realize people have always complained about them. It's only now that we as a society have decided to listen. But I don't know if that means that we've actually really moved forward as a race. I feel like there's a strong correlation between people who are currently putting out good shit that everyone likes versus how much we can listen to bad stuff about them. And then like when they stop pumping out all that new stuff that we love, that's when we go all in on how awful they are. When I was a kid, everybody, including me, loved The Cosby Show. Everybody. While it was still on, it was still on. It was, I think it was in like the last season, maybe the season before. A woman accused the star of the show of drugging and raping her. And our collective response was, yeah, but he's so funny on the show. 
That was our entire response. And then a second woman came out accusing him of the exact same thing. And our response was, yeah, but have you seen how funny he is on the show? But then after the show ended and he stopped doing new shit that we liked, we all started kind of listening. Maybe because we weren't as distracted by all the shit that he wasn't putting out. Yet another woman comes forward when he's not doing anything anymore and we're now we're all kind of like well the show's in syndication so maybe we can address this before any other poor woman takes naps that leads to vaginal tearing but by then it was way too late our bad but that isn't an isolated incident the same shit happened with michael jackson which I do kind of want to keep this episode relatively light, so I don't want to dive too deep into it because it's just fucking depressing. But there we were in the early 90s, and every single kid that he spent time with that didn't star in Home Alone was making some pretty fucking intense allegations. And our response, have you heard his new album? Did you see him at the halftime show? But then when most of the music stopped coming and the little bit of music he had wasn't as good that wacko motherfucker went to trial and he avoided having any real consequences because you know like thriller and such he did all that shit but at least they brought whatever was left of his face into an actual courtroom spoiler alert by the way this week's song of the week will not be michael jackson bill murray is right in there with the rest of them he has had some issues on set and damn near every single thing he has ever done. He literally got into a fist fight with Chevy Chase on SNL. He also literally got into a fist fight with Richard Dreyfus on the set of What About Bob? There was some sort of physical altercation with Harold Ramis during Groundhog Day, which is a movie I adore that ended their 20-year fucking friendship. They never talked again. Lucy Liu damn near collected his fucking head during the filming of Charlie's Angels. And that's all just shit off the top of my head. That's barely in my notes. And either I read or I'm making up that he also had issues filming Caddyshack and Stripes. And I bring this up because recently a story came out that he apparently dry humped some poor girl so hard on the set of a new movie that they shut the production down. And now a bunch of people are starting to tell stories about how awful Bill is as a person. And it sucks because I like the shit Bill Murray does. His cameo in Zombieland is maybe my favorite cameo of all time. Scrooged is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. And that brings me back to the question that I started talking about in the very first episode. What are we willing to let people get away with for the sake of our entertainment? Now, I'm going to come back to that question later uh, in this episode towards the end because Ticketmaster is about to catch these fucking hands. For the letter H, do you like Huey Lewis in the news? Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. In 87, Huey released four, their most accomplished album. 
I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to be Square. A song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics. But they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends, it's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey guys, Hip to be Square is this week's song of the week, you crazy fucking bastards. Alright, I gotta go return some videotapes. If you know, you know. And if you know, you're listening to the right show. Moving on, the next one up is I See Dead People. Let me tell you the story about when my grandmother saw The Sixth Sense. And unfortunately, I am going to spoil the movie. But it's like a quarter century old at this point. So if you have a problem with me spoiling it, you can eat my ass. The Sixth Sense was one of those movies that was an event. You know, these days, every Marvel, obviously I'm not throwing shade because I'm a Marvel hoe, but every Marvel movie is a big event. Way, way back, big movie events didn't happen quite so often. Big movies, where movies were still released all the time, but really big event movies didn't happen as much as they do now. This, The Sixth Sense, became a big movie event over one particular weekend. I liked Bruce Willis back then, and I'm a huge fan of any kind of thriller or horror movies. I saw the movie on Friday night with a few friends, and there was, at best, a half-full house in the theater. There wasn't a lot of people, but over the weekend, it got around that the movie had a huge twist in it that nobody saw coming, and it blew up in a true, like, old-fashioned, word-of-mouth advertising way that Ron Popeil talks about in his infomercials. Everybody was talking about it. And by the end of the weekend, everyone wanted to go see it. Now, my favorite time when I was a kid were weekends with my grandparents. And either on Saturdays or Sundays when I would go see them, it would be my favorite day because my grandma would take me out. We would go to McDonald's for lunch. We'd see a movie and then we would do some shopping for stuff for her. That happened every weekend for years and years and years. And she and I became so close. My grandmother is my best friend forever. My childhood mostly sucked, but man, those were some of the greatest times in my life. That's how much movies mean to me. I didn't tell her that I saw The Sixth Sense before she came and picked me up because I didn't want to lose that. I knew she wanted to see the movie and I really wanted her to see it because I thought she would flip out just like me over over that big twist, okay? So we saw the movie on Sunday afternoon, my grandmother and I, and by Sunday, everybody had heard about it. So it was a sold-out show. Literally, complete, every seat in the house was taken. The energy in the theater was palpable. So we are watching the movie, and it is you could hear a pin drop in that theater. It was super quiet. Bruce Willis gets shot uh, in the first reel in the beginning of the movie, and then it just fades away and it comes back to Bruce sitting on a bench looking at stuff and it's just really quiet and, you know, whatever. My grandmother 
very, very, very loud. She didn't even know, you guys, that there was a twist in this movie. My grandmother, really loud during a quiet part of the movie, just says, So Bruce Willis is dead, right? The immediate dirty looks, hisses, and heavy sighs this woman got when she said that. You could not buy so you know what she didn't even fucking notice she was too busy being so utterly disappointed in this movie she didn't realize how pissed everyone around her was and then at the end of the movie when they had the big reveal and she got her confirmation that she was right and bruce willis was actually dead for the whole thing she says out loud i knew it grabbed her purse off the floor and put it on her lap she never would leave a movie early she would consider that a waste of money but she was ready to go of all the bad movies she and i saw together in the theater and there were a lot of them i have never seen that woman so disappointed and ready to leave and that is one of the many reasons my grandmother might be the most amazing person on this planet. And that, you guys, is going to bring me to this week's gold star question, which I'm very curious about. What movie have you seen that, for all intents and purposes, you should like? It's right up your alley on paper. Everyone, may, maybe they recommended it to you, they knew you would like it, or you saw the trailer and you thought you would like it, but in reality, when you actually dug in, you just couldn't get into it. Reach out to me in all the ways, any way you want, and give me the scoop. I am going to tell you mine next week, and you guys are going to be so mad at me. Speaking of bad movies... For the letter J, I want to take a quick little dive into one of, if not my most favorite horrible movie of all time, Jason X. Did I just successfully execute a decent segue? What the fuck is wrong with me? As a whole, the Friday the 13th franchise, it is what it is. If I said I didn't like it, I would be lying to you. But I don't really think I actually like it either. But Jason X specifically is something very different. Here's the premise. The movie takes place in the hypothetical future. The government captures Jason Voorhees, freezes him, and sends him into space on a ship so a team can research why he keeps coming back from the dead. Through a crazy set of circumstances, he wakes up out of stasis and starts murdering people on the spaceship. That might be the single worst plot of a movie I have ever heard. And you guys, it's bad. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's fucking bad. It is really bad. It is pointless. It is stupid. However, I'll be damned. If it wasn't just a little bit of fun, Jason's first kill in the movie, all right, he puts someone's head inside the cryo freezing chamber for like 10 seconds so it freezes and then smashes their head into the counter. Their face 
literally goes flying into a bunch of pieces all over the room. And if that isn't the most metal shit you have ever heard in your life, one of my favorite moments in the movie. It's actually one of my favorite moments of any movie ever. I'm not kidding. They had some sort of holodeck on the ship. For those of you who don't watch Star Trek, for those losers who don't watch Star Trek, by the way, while we're at it, let me give you a quick Star Trek fact as a throwback to the first episode. Um, hang on, let me think of one. Uh, in the movie Star Trek Generations, William Shatner, who plays James Tiberius Kirk, wore women's pantyhose during his horseback riding scenes with Patrick Stewart, who plays the superior captain of the Enterprise, Jean-Luc Picard. The color of those pantyhose that Shatner wore? Nude. Okay, Back to Jason X. So they had a holodeck on the ship where Jason was trapped. And basically what you do on a holodeck is you create a holographic simulation of anything you want, anywhere, anytime, anyone. And they trapped Jason in in this simulation. And it was a simulation of Crystal Lake, which is you know, the woodsy area where he's from and where he does most of his killing in most of his movies. There are two girls who are suddenly just standing there out of nowhere. They're wearing next to nothing. I think they both have pigtails on, if I'm not mistaken. And they're asking him if he wants to smoke pot, drink beer, and have premarital sex. And then the scene cuts to Jason holding a sleeping bag, which clearly has one of the girls in it, and he is bashing it on the floor into another sleeping bag that clearly has one of the other girls in it. And he's just hitting one girl with the other one over and over again. And you can hear them screaming and writhing in pain. And then he starts hitting the sleeping bag against a tree that happens to be right next to him and then throws it and just pimps out the scene. Maybe I'm not doing the scene justice, but damn it, it was one of the funniest fucking shits I have ever seen in a theater. I saw Jason X in the theater four times, you guys. Four fucking times. I don't even remember why, but I'm pretty sure there were women involved who wanted to go with me, and I'm not made of steel. I regret nothing. K is for Kruger, Freddy Kruger, which makes him sound a little more like Bond, James Bond, that I, that I meant to sound. But Nightmare on Elm Street is most certainly my favorite monster franchise. It walks this incredibly fine line of being legitimately scary when it wants to, but also it doesn't take itself seriously at all. And in case there's anyone who isn't actively pissed off at my mother enough for stealing my Halloween candy, she also made me watch the first and most legit terrifying Nightmare on Elm Street movie when I was six years old. Fucking six. At six years old, I should have been, you know what? I don't even know what I should have been doing at six years old, but I definitely shouldn't have been watching a movie about an undead monster pedophile with a glove made of knives who can kill you in your sleep. And to add that little extra therapy cherry right on top of my childhood trauma cake, she used to tell me that if I was bad, Freddy would visit me in my dreams. 
There is a therapist child out there somewhere who is going to get their entire college tuition paid for out of my fucking bank account. And we are going to finish off this week's portion of the Halloween alphabet with the letter L. And I wanted to try to throw a bit of a curveball here, and I'm going to talk about Last Dance with Mary Jane, which is a Tom Petty song about doing pot. It's one of his best songs. It's probably my favorite Tom Petty song next to You Don't Know How It Feels, which is another Tom Petty song about pot. Last Dance with Mary Jane is from the mid-90s, and you may be asking yourself, what the fuck does this have to do with Halloween? The music video for Last Dance with Mary Jane is pure, dark, macabre, gothic glory. Well, in the video, Tom Petty digs up his, you know, his girlfriend, his wife, his lady, whatever she is. She's played by Kim Basinger, Bassinger, Basinger, Bassinger, who gives a shit? She is dead, okay? And he digs her up and treats her like she is alive. He puts her in a wedding dress, dances with her. They share a meal. I think he may give her a bath in the video. It's creepy, but in a cool way, if there is such a thing. There's an old dusty house full of antique shit. Petty is in tails and a top hat. And then at the end of the video, he carries her to an ocean and you know lovingly places her in the water to float away and at the very end of the video she opens her eyes so we can even add a zombie in there it is a completely underrated badass music video and if you ever watch it you need to know that i want to live in that fucking house so that's what we're going to leave off for this week's portion of the ABCs of Halloween. Next week, I am going to start my dive into the back half of the alphabet and see what other disgusting shit I can bring up. All right, let's smash through best and worst of the week really quick before I turn you loose because I really, really got to get back to Dahmer and I haven't even watched the She-Hulk finale yet. Best of the week is Tom DeLonge rejoining Blink-182. That hit me right in my nostalgic G-spot. It may be genuinely surprising to you to know that Blink holds the record for the band that I have seen live the most times, with 13. They happen to be part of a lot of radio shows and package tours that I was seeing when I was a kid and going to a lot of shows. There was a point where I think I was going to concerts almost every weekend. There was a tour that had Blink-182, Green Day, and Jimmy Eat World. That ticket was fucking epic. And when Mark Hoppus, the bass player for Blink-182, recovered from cancer recently, the writing was on the wall. Like the internet had them reformed before Tom and Mark ever talked, I'm certain. It was pretty much inevitable. So I was super excited to hear that they were reforming going back out on tour, which leads us to the worst of the week, Ticketmaster. Who the fuck do they think they are? And that brings us back to what we will let people get away with for the sake of our entertainment. Because Ticketmaster fucked us. They fucked us so hard. And they didn't do this. They're not responsible for this. We are responsible for this. We, 
gave Ticketmaster too much power. They didn't take it from us. We fucking handed it to them. We sacrificed the illusion of choice in ways that we buy concert tickets for convenience. And it's not even fucking convenient anymore. Not only are they proudly doing nothing to stop resellers from buying tickets, they got in on the game. And either they're reselling their own fucking tickets or they're getting a cut from other resellers. And now there is nothing that we can do. There's nothing the artists can do in this physical universe we occupy. There's no other feasible option. We are stuck and we are fucked. The last thing I ever want to do on this podcast is quote DJ Khaled, but we played ourselves. So unfortunately for me and for most of us, there are no Blink-182 tickets, and that sucks. I know. Well, I think it is about time for me to hit the old dusty trail. I know that this is a shorter episode than I've been doing over the last few, but uh, there's actually a lot of stuff going on for me right now, which I am going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. I've actually got some pretty big, amazing, life-changing news coming up that I want to share with you guys. I'm still getting everything put together, but I am going to talk about it really, really soon. So please tune in for that. I just want to get everything in place, but I promise you guys, it is going to be worth the wait. I'm so excited for what I've got coming up and I will definitely be passing the amazingness of that onto you. And anyone who listens to this show is going to benefit from the big changes that I've got coming up. Thank you. As always, to everybody for letting me bend your ear for a little while every week. I am getting more and more messages from more and more people every single week, and that means the world to me. I hope you guys are doing well and staying regular out there. That's very important. Enjoy a little bit of brand a couple of days a week. Call someone you love and tell them you love them. Execute a good prank. That's very important, particularly in October. Laugh at a dirty joke. You know what? I think I might start next week's episode with an old school classic dirty joke. I don't know. We'll see what I can dig up in my head. I think I've got a few farting around in there from when I was a kid. If you're not already, please be sure to follow me on InstaTwat at Atomic Skull Podcast. Uh, doing the podcast stuff alone is an absolute joy. I mean it. But it takes so much time. And I'm not complaining. I'm telling you that to also tell you I'm trying really hard to expand the Insta account activity. And I promise I will get there. I'm still trying to find a rhythm between actually working, living my life, loving my wife. I didn't mean to make that rhyme. That sounds way too fucking cheesy. I am so, I want to apologize to myself for saying something so stupid. But I've got a bunch of life to to live in a bunch of things and responsibilities because I'm an old man. But I also, I really do want to expand my online activity, not, not just doing this podcast, but other stuff. I promise I will get there. I'm also working on revving up my TikTok. Uh, same thing, at Atomic Skull Podcast or Atomic Skull Podcast. 
I'm trying really hard to learn how to do the TikTok thing, you guys, but I'm, I may be too old. I'm a little bit worried. We're going to try it, though. Follow me up on TikTok. I am going to try to get that started up and uh, hopefully record some stupid videos that you, you guys might like. In the meantime, keep it spooky out there. I will see you next week. Don't steal candy from children. How are you doing? Bye.